Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Step families. There's a very good chance you're either part of a step family or you will be. According to health research funding in 2015, one-third of American kids will live in a step-parent family before age 18, and 50% of American kids will have a step-parent at some point in their lives. Half of the 60 million American kids under age 13 live with one bio-parent and that parent's partner. And in the U.S. alone, there are 15 million stepmoms. But the sad thing is, these blended families, these second chances, often don't work out all that well. 67 to 80% of second marriages end in divorce. And perhaps one of the reasons for that is that 75% of step families complain of not having access to resources as a step family. That's according to a recent Step Family Foundation survey of 2,000 families. And one more piece of data that I found fascinating and really important for my single women out there to hear. According to a Boston University study, career women who earned over $100,000 per year and had married a man with children, of these women, over 75% say they would not marry a man with children again if they had to do it over. Now, as you know, I married a man with children and I would absolutely do it over I walked into a situation where he had three kids and I did not. And yeah, there were challenges, of course. There's a lot of awkwardness those first couple years of roles and understanding how to treat each other because we're just getting to know each other, yet we're family. Whereas in bio families, you have all those years of growing up together. And so I don't share that stat to scare you. However, whenever we're making a major life decision, it behooves us to know what we're getting into to the extent that we can. And so when we look at the data and we look at the research, we can better prepare ourselves for the reality of what lies ahead. And for women in step families, it's important to understand that the step mother role is particularly complex. And that's what Kendall Rose, the author of The Stepmoms Club, How to Be a Stepmom Without Losing Your Money, Your Mind, and Your Marriage is here to talk about. Kendall Rose has had a long-time career as a business executive in the financial services industry. She and her family reside in the Midwest, where she's able to follow her passion for horseback riding and her volunteer work in equine-assisted therapy. Kendall is thrilled to support fellow stepmoms and hopes they can benefit greatly from the publication of her book, The Stepmoms Club. Kendall Rose, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here. I love the topic of your book. I also am a stepmom and I have a lot of listeners and followers who are stepmoms as well and stepparents. There's men, of course, who are involved in these scenarios as well. And it's something that based on the statistics that you shared in your book and I shared at the top of the program, it's something that's affecting 
many more families than we probably think. Even though divorce is very common and remarriage is very common, we sometimes, we kind of play down sometimes the fact that there's all this these blended families trying to blend and not not always blending so well. But so I think your topic, the Stepmoms Club, how to be a stepmom without losing your money, your mind, and your marriage, it's just so relevant. So thanks so much for sharing your thoughts in the book and appearing on the program today. Oh, it's so fun to be here. What really is amazing is the statistics and how the numbers are growing. Because There are so many stepmothers and stepfathers and blended families out there that that is becoming more of the norm of a traditional family. Yeah, right. And so we have to be equipped. And I came across some research in my studies because of entering this scenario myself uh, seven years ago when we got married that 75% of step families say that they, there are not enough resources available. And that's where your book comes in because it's absolutely the, if you don't know other stepmothers, grab this book because you will have your posse, you will have your girl tribe that you need in this book. You provide so much encouragement and just real brass tacks. And I want to start with something that I think every stepmother has heard at one point or another. If you are having a cocktail with your girlfriends. It's very common for everyone to not be negative the entire time, but someone might gripe about this and that and the other. And if a bio mom complains about her husband or kids, it's perfectly fine. But if a stepmother says something, (laughs) she will immediately get the looks of, and the comments often, well, you knew what you were getting yourself into. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That one statement alone can send any stepmother into a spiral. It really can. Because at the end of the day, let's be realistic. You don't know what you're getting into until you are physically in the midst of it. Right. And also parents, I mean, they can have 10 kids and then someone, and then they go, gosh, it's a circus at my house. Well, People don't say to their face, well, you knew what you were getting into when you kept procreating like a rabbit. I mean, no one says that to parents, but if it's a stepmother, I think, what do you think, Kendall? I think it's a carryover from all these fairy tales. And we still, as children, we identify with poor Cinderella and that wicked stepmother. And so now as adults, we still, we we over-identify with the kids, which I'm not saying is a bad thing because kids did not ask for this. They are the vulnerable ones in this situation. But then I think we we over vilify stepmothers. And of course, there's so much, so many fairy tales and the common cultural conception of stepmothers that she is wicked and evil and she's out to steal the kid's father from them. And I mean, we really don't have many models or any any kind of stereotypes out there that would be positive for us. We don't. And it's unfortunate that the negativity that has been shared through movies for some of the most incredible fairy tales out there that children watch have this negative connotation of stepmothers. And it's so unfair and unwarranted. Which is where your book comes in again. And it's very helpful and very supportive. And it's it's something that's needed because and I do, I, I, as a stepmom myself, I knew what I was getting into, but like you say, to a degree, but does anyone fully know what they're getting into <laughs> until they're living it? I mean, I don't think so. But um, one of the things that you talk about in the book, and in fact, you you start with it, which I thought was very bold, not very sexy, but very bold and very necessary. You say you need to read your partner's divorce decree and the custody agreement. 
And you lay that out as like, listen, ladies, if you don't do anything else, do this. Absolutely. So the reason we wrote the book is honest, raw interaction, stepmom to stepmom, what people don't tell you that you need to know. Right. And what is amazing is in the divorce decree and in the parenting plan, everything is outlined in black and white and sometimes a little gray of the custody agreement, the arrangements, the financial obligations, the holiday schedules, and there's nothing to really argue about with your partner once you sit down and read that. And it's so important to really understand those basic facts as you're going through your stepmotherhood journey and don't get sucked into what we call the stepmom vortex <laughs> by not having the knowledge. Right. And now it's two pieces of paper, sometimes very lengthy, there were those two documents, outline so much that will help you determine how do you move forward if you want to move forward and also know that there are certain things that's not really worth getting in an argument about because it's a legal signed document. Right. And if it's legal and if it's been signed and the lawyers were involved, it's, it should be non-negotiable. But of course, sometimes those lines get blurred a bit and people try to take advantage or try to skew things to what they would prefer to have happen on a given holiday and that sort of thing. And you guys share a lot in the book about the things you wish you had known, what you wish you had. So I love that you frame the book as, as, also, as a support group for women who are in that situation. And also you frame it as kind of a how to prepare yourself if you're about to step into this circumstance. So just to let the listeners know, what's your stepmom journey yourself? And were you equipped with some of this knowledge or is this pretty much, listen, I wish I'd known this. When this yeah. book was created out of really a labor of love because of the Stepmom Club group that was my support system. Because 15, 20 years ago, think about it, there wasn't social media. Right. Facebook hadn't even been created. Instagram hadn't been created. So there were all these support groups out there but you couldn't find one for stepmothers. And a group of women ended up forming because we had not only biological children in common in age, but also because we had stepchildren in common. And we really became each other's support group in a friendship circle. And we would get together on a regular basis and help each other out because there were we had differences of how long we had been in our stepmother journey, and we learn from one another. And there are some fabulous books out there, don't get me wrong, but there was not that girlfriend's guide, yeah. the how-to. And also, you know, you talked about it earlier, you don't know what you're getting into until you're in it, or you don't have that same empathy from people who are not stepmothers. Mm -hmm. Well, how come a newbie mom will have their embracement from other newbie moms when you're having a hard time about being up all night or your child isn't feeding well or whatever the issue may be. But if there's a stepmother who wants to talk about the trials and tribulations of being a stepmother, a non-stepmother doesn't open their arms to you and they really don't have that same type of understanding so they can't give you that support. Right. This is why the book was created over a very long period of time 
to share this knowledge and help other stepmothers. And most importantly, make them realize that they're not alone. There are over 16 million stepmothers in the U.S. alone. Yeah. As, as we noted earlier, it is a, a situation that is on the rise and we're going to all be experiencing it in one way, shape or form. Even if you have uh, adult kids will end up with a step parent. I think the stats, I think you cite, uh, cited that 50% of adult children will eventually have a step parent. And maybe that's because a parent passes away even. So it's not always a divorce that causes this blended family to occur. So it's something that with resources are necessary. We need to know that we're not alone. We need to know and learn from those who've been there and gone through it. And your situation, like you said, you were in a, in a realm where there wasn't all of the online support available. And so did you, so your situation, were you married before yourself or can you tell the listeners a little bit about your personal journey? So as a single woman becoming a stepmother overnight mm. into marriage, it was really eye-opening. I didn't know what to expect. I thought, oh, okay, how easy. This will be great. Instant family. You know, I will be a stepmother. And I was not prepared at all because if you think about it, there are so many authoritative figures in the stepchildren's life already. Right. And you coming in, whatever age that may be of your stepchildren, some stepchildren might embrace the stepmother, some may not. But what I personally didn't realize is how other people outside of my immediate family affects our family. You talked about it earlier, the different holidays, kids going back and forth from one house to another. Some people make interpret the gray areas in the divorce decree or the parenting plan. And you might be sitting waiting to have your Christmas dinner because the children are two hours late. Mm -hmm. Those things affect your own individual family. And then it takes a toll on your psyche on your relationship, and even you yourself with others. And that, for so many people, knowing that they're not alone feeling that way was like a weight being lifted off their shoulders, mine included. Right. So often just to know that your experience, that you are not alone, you feel alienated, you feel very isolated, but to know that you're not alone can be just powerful in and of itself. Absolutely. And just to normalize that, okay, this is just how it feels when you try to merge families or in your case, and that was my case as well, I was single and then I married a man with kids. And I mean, let's be honest, you talk about it in the book. No one, when they're little playing with their Barbie, which <laughs> I did, <laughs> thinks I'm marching bride Barbie down the aisle to marry groom Ken, I'll be the second time around for Ken. I mean, that is not anyone's notion of how their life is going to play out. But on the flip side, sometimes that absolutely is the best for the people. I wouldn't change anything about my marriage. I love my stepkids. But as you mentioned in the book as well, it's most step families take about four to seven years before it starts to function and feel like a real family. And I would totally agree with that stat. I think by about year five that we really felt like we were in a groove. 
And like you're talking about the holidays and we knew what to expect and the kids kind of understood what that meant for them, which I feel for them. I, I, I didn't come from a broken home. So I didn't have to bounce around to moms and then dads at Christmas and Thanksgiving every other year. So I feel for the kids and I always did. And it, it gets very complex. It is extremely complex. And one of the top comments I hear from other stepmothers as I help them through their journey is, I wish I didn't get sucked into that stepmom vortex immediately. I wish I would have eased into it, kind of putting those toes in the water and letting things settle in. Because it is very easy to try to please everybody all the time. And the person who ends up suffering so much is yourself as the stepmother. And we say, Really, it is important to understand the four Ds. And when we refer to the four Ds, we're talking about documentation, delegation, dollars, and do be true to yourself. And what I mean by do be true to yourself is be who you were before you became a stepmother. Still have your friendships, still do the activities and your hobbies that you were doing prior to becoming a stepmother. Don't lose yourself into the role of being a stepmother because you can easily get stepped, pulled in, really get pulled in to that stepmom vortex. And I love that you're saying that because it really flies in the face of the impulse, which is a good intention of a woman's in love with this man. She wants to be the best stepmother that ever hit the the planet. She's going to embrace his kids as a gesture of love for him and as excitement to, I will be a positive role model in these kids' lives. But as you say, if you don't have a little detachment, and you even say that in the book, you say you encourage stepmoms to do whatever they want to do with the kids, but with a a bit of detachment involved. And another theme that you talk about is to never have any expectations. And I think- (laughs) No expectations. (laughs) If you said it once, you said it a thousand times. No expectations is extremely important because you're relying on other people's feelings and actions, which ultimately will set yourself up for disappointment. What you can have expectations on is your relationship with your partner. And that is so important to keep that relationship one-on-one as well. We talk about it in the Stepmoms Club book. Have your date nights. Schedule that one-on-one time. Don't lose the passion that you had for the other person because Marriage is difficult and you will lose sight of at times where you were in the relationship prior to having the blended family and everybody getting together. And it is so important to invest that time in your relationship as well as the whole blended family. And I like that distinction you're making. You're saying, yes, have expectations of your husband and your marriage and make sure that you put that first but don't have expectations of the kids. And I do, again, as I mentioned, I didn't come from this kind of scenario myself in my background. So it was always, I always felt very, I mean, I, I don't want to say I pity because that's too strong, And I, but I felt bad. I, I always, Yeah, the empathy. Yeah. The empathy really at times is a hot, hard pull string. 
Yeah. It is amazing how it tugs at your heart because as women, we're nurturers, we're caregivers, we're educators, and we want to fix things. Right. And like we talk about in the Stepmoms Club book, you can't fix what you didn't break. And the analogy that I use is imagine walking into a movie theater a quarter of the way into the movie. You don't know what has happened before. You're stepping on people's toes as you're trying to get into your seat and you're trying to catch up as to what has occurred, but you didn't, you weren't there. You didn't see it. And it's similar coming into a blended family that something had already happened beforehand Mm -hmm. and you missed it. Yeah. (laughs) And that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Let's connect on social. I'm most active on Instagram at Dr. Karen. That's D-R dot K-A-R-I-N. On Twitter, I'm at Dr. Karen Anderson. Live tweet with me when I watch my favorite shows, Will and Grace, my brand new fave, God Friended Me. And of course, all shows Bachelor Nation. Join me on Facebook where I'm stepping up my Facebook live game. I'm at Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. You encourage stepmoms to take on a mantra of, I'm not my stepchildren's mother. I'm not my stepchildren's mother. I'm not my stepchildren's mother. Now, I'll say personally, that was hard for me. I recognize their mother is very much involved and absolutely, and I, I, tried, and I believe I did, I I honored her role as their mother. I'm not their mother. However, I see young people in my life. I see what's happening. Uh, I'm very much tied to what's happening because they're my husband's children. And so when they are off course, it's affecting my husband. It's affecting me. And I'm a developmental psychologist. (laughs) So I'm looking at this with a a different vantage point. And now the nice thing I'll say, Kendall, and my husband said this many times, there was a measure of objectivity that I had because I'm looking at this 20-year-old young man and I'm seeing him through eyes of where I think based on developmental psych and his maturity, where he should be. And if I'm not seeing him there, I don't have all the memories of this sweet little baby and I changed his diapers and I fed him a bottle. I don't see him through the lens of that's my baby boy starting to grow up. I see him as a 20-year-old young man and I'm thinking, this isn't okay. None of this is okay. And my husband, because we had that strong relationship, which again is something that's really hard to know how your husband's going to juggle the guilt and the dual loyalty that he might feel, or he feels if he supports his wife on something, the kids are going to feel as a betrayal. It's so complicated. But in our case, I was very thankful that my husband very much listened to me. And I tried very carefully to come at him with, here's what I see from my vantage point as someone who is new, you know, who's stepping into this movie, like you said, a quarter of the way through. But he was able to hear that and not get defensive. And I'm so thankful because he'll say that certain major decisions, really, my influence helped, helped him see his own kid and the whole, and the whole circumstance with a little bit more objectivity. Appreciation with your partner is paramount. Yeah. Just like communication with your partner is paramount. Because at the end of the day, you are a team, you're a couple, your focus is the children. And too often you, I hear from other stepmothers that they don't feel like their partner has their back. 
And the first question I ask them is, are you communicating your feelings? Have you had one-on-one quality sit-down time with a deep conversation without arguing so your partner understands where you're coming from? Right. And then you're listening to what they're saying because it is not easy. We know that. But having this open communication with your partner and your stepchildren is very helpful to keep the blended family moving in the right direction. You don't want them to feel, like you talked about, that they're taking one side or another because there are really three parents involved. There's the stepmother, there's their father, and then there is their mother. And what we say to stepmothers specifically who try too hard and jump in too quickly, that you need to understand that the children feel torn. Whether they like you or don't like you is irrelevant, quite honestly. It's more about their psyche and the emotions that they are going through and being able to have these conversations with your partner to work through it together is important. And sometimes together you can't. And this is where we recommend one of the D's, delegation. Delegate this out and work with a therapist, a therapist who has experience with blended families. So you can learn how to communicate. And I love that, of course, as a psychologist and former therapist. I love that you you over and over again in the book, you recommended therapy because it's it's an opportunity to have that third party who is not, doesn't have the intensity of the emotions of everything. And it can help everyone just have that sounding board so that, because we need to remember, as you're saying, we're on the same team. Everyone should be on the same team. The same team being, let's raise these children the very best we can, even though there's been a fracture in their family of origin. Okay, so if the husband has his current wife coming at him, and then the kids, he's feeling pulled, he's feeling like he's betraying his kids, if he aligns with his spouse, and then he's got the ex-wife who's also bringing her perspective, that's a lot on one guy. And, and, And so to remember we should be all on the same team here. And that's and, and, and so I think sometimes it's hard for people. They get defensive. They feel torn. And it becomes more contentious than it needs to. And that's where therapy Absolutely. is so critical. And I would also say that you hear often people retreat, meaning they really go into their cocoon and they're in their own cave and they're no longer communicative. And once somebody goes into their cave, whether it's the stepmother, the stepchildren, the stepfather, it's hard to pull them out of it. And being able to have these family meetings, family discussions, a safe haven to speak your mind is so healthy for the blended family. Sometimes we just need that third party with their vantage point to help us see things differently. If you drink black coffee or hot tea, I know you've burned your tongue hundreds of times, or you've had to wait 20 minutes for your coffee to cool down, which by that time, your donut or muffin is long gone, and you've missed the joy of pairing that sweet breakfast item with your bitter black coffee. If it sounds like I'm speaking from personal experience, I am. But I've got good news for us. 
Drink Perfection takes beverages from scalding hot to the perfect temperature, where you can actually appreciate the flavor notes, by the way, in just 20 seconds without watering them down. Learn more at drinkperfection.com. And be sure to check out the Perfector's other application, taking red wine from room temp to wine cellar temperature again in just 20 seconds. Find out more at drinkperfection.com. One of the things you also talk about is documentation. You said one of your four Ds, and you talk about that extensively in the book as well. What do you mean by that? Well, it also goes back to what we talked about earlier about reading the divorce decree and the custody agreement. But as you know, in the Stepmoms Club book, we share anecdotal stories. And when we refer to documentation, we're talking about all aspect of any documents. You're coming into a blended family. And there are times where your partner may have not reviewed all his or her documents, meaning beneficiary forms might not have been changed. There might be credit cards where the ex's name is still on there. There could be a safety deposit box that the two of you still have names on together. The list goes on and on. And knowing where all the documents are, how everything is spelled out, think of retirement plans, think of 401ks, trust, wills, any documentation that needs to be reviewed might not have been. Because let's face it, during a divorce, there are a lot of emotions and it's exhausting. And once the divorce is final, the last thing somebody has the energy to do is go back and review all the paperwork to see where possibly both names could have still been on. Think about it, just a contact in the post office that one person is still in the house, the other person has moved out. You're still receiving their mail. There are countless stories of stepmothers finding when they're going through the checkbook or reviewing online auto pay that there are stepfathers who are still paying utility bills going back three and four years that they didn't even realize. Right. Yeah. So documentation means all aspects of any paperwork that needs to be reviewed and things need to change. And let's touch on dollars because that's related to someone who is (laughs) accidentally and inadvertently still paying a utility bill for their ex. Because the money, I mean, listen, in, in... all the research on divorce, one of the main problems in marriage that can lead to divorce, and it's always one of the top two or three in pretty much every study that's ever been conducted that I've come across anyway, financial, financial realities <laughs> are huge in any marriage, much less a marriage where some of the money is going out to a third party every month. So what do you, when you talk about one of your four Ds, the dollars, what do you have to share about that? First of all, dollars encompass so many documents. But most importantly, when we talk about the dollars, it's calculating what the net number will be for your household, meaning minus the child support, minus the alimony payment, and sit down with a pen and a yellow pad and start adding up everything that is being paid out to someplace Mm -hmm. else, meaning not under your roof. And understanding what the net number will be. It could be 
dentist appointments, orthodontist, college, tutors, piano lessons, ballet lessons, private pitching coach, you name it. If your partner is responsible for those dollars, you need to know that because it might turn out that you're financially obligated for running the household in the way that you would like to live that you didn't anticipate. So knowing where and how the money is being used above your head is so important. Insurance, retirement accounts, pension, health insurance, estate plans, all of those things have dollars associated with it. Think about estate planning. You have multiple children, potentially, from different parents. How do you sit down and start working on your estate plan? Something should happen to you. Something should happen to your partner. Where do you want those dollars to go if something should happen to you? Don't leave it up to chance. Don't let it get probated. Sit down with your partner, an estate attorney, a CPA, your financial advisor, and work through all the dollars, all these difficult conversations, knowing that they're going to be emotional, but at least you're organized. There's a story in the book, and it's heartbreaking, that there was a divorce, he remarried, they had a child together, one afternoon he went out for a jog and dropped. He had a heart attack. When the wife was going through all the documents with the estate attorney, they realized there was an oopsie, and it was a big oopsie. It turned out that even though he had changed the documentation and made changes by signing the documents, he missed the back page of one of those pamphlets. And that turned out to be his deferred compensation plan. And guess who got the deferred comp? <laughs> his yep. And it happens. It was an oversight. Mm-hmm. The company felt badly. Of course, the ex-wife wasn't going to give the money back. The new wife was out of luck and their baby. The deferred comp money went to his ex-wife. Yeah. It is important to dot I's and cross T's and look over things many, many times over, especially with a new baby involved. It's, It's tragic. It was so sad, so tragic, and it could have been avoided had everything been reviewed. Again, you it's emotional. You don't want to talk about what should happen if you pass, but you know what? You need to. There's a reason you buy life insurance. There's a reason you have car insurance. You don't anticipate having a car accident, but it happens. Life insurance, same thing. Make sure all the documentation is properly set up in the way you want it. And that was one of the the stories, because you have so many stories from other stepmoms throughout the book, which are great because it just it's another just another reminder that we're not alone in this and someone else has gone through this scenario. And that was one of the more painful ones to read. Uh, related to money as well were some other ones where there was tension because 
adult children, 30 years old, are still expecting dad to pay for <laughs> cell phone bills. And, and so the, the stepmothers, or again, the ex-wife is saying, well, you need to pay for this and that and the other, but it's because they want to take their kid to this fancy new school. And so dad has to pay. The, the, the money thing is huge. And I think the theme that I pulled from the book is that the stepmoms who dealt with this the best had to kind of let it go a little bit take care of what they could take care of, but they couldn't get into an absolute frenzy every time their husband was paying for something that they didn't think was fair. Sometimes they just had to let that go. That is another one of the stepmom closed mantras. Let it go. You cannot control all the situations, but what you can control is how you react and your emotions. And letting go is liberating. The money, the tension, the arguments, don't get sucked into that vortex and let it go. In the moment you hit that wall, and we say hitting the wall is a good thing because it is that liberating moment where you realize, I'm going to let these things go. Yeah. And as you say, letting go is where you take the power back, actually, because when you're not letting go, you're letting all these external forces affect your mood, affect your psychological state, your emotional well-being. When you let it go, you take the power back. And that's something I think that's really important to underscore. So I'm so glad that you did throughout the book. If you're single, you've likely heard it all. You've been told you're too picky. You should just get on another dating app or that you're not trying hard enough. And you're probably really tired of hearing those messages because I know I was when I was single for all those years, which is why I felt the need to bring another perspective to the dating relationship self-help genre. Single is the new black, don't wear white till it's right, is my take on what the single life can be if we refuse to settle, we know that we're worth an extraordinary relationship, and we refuse to fall prey single shaming. Trust me, it is a different self-help book. Check it out on amazon.com, barnesandnoble.com, or on my website, www.drkarin.me, D-R-K-A-R-I-N.me. Another theme is that it seems that most women felt that their husband had a really hard time confronting or being what they thought strong and standing up to their ex-wife or even to their children at times. What do you think that's about? What's interesting is there seems to be this theme that stepmothers feel that the fathers have this Disneyland dad Mm -hmm attitude where everything has to be perfect, just like when you're at Disneyland, where they don't want to confront. They don't want to have arguments. They want everybody to be happy. They want to please everybody. But the person who ends up suffering is their partner, the stepmother, because we get aggravated that they're not confronting their ex or they're not putting their foot down with the children. But what you also need to understand is they feel that they're in a no-win situation, that if they put their foot down with their ex, the ex might then hold the children back from him or her. 
or the ex might come at him or her harder. So it's a no-win situation at times for the your partner, but it's important that for you as the stepmother, you explain and work through it with your partner why they need to at times because you don't want them being the doormat. Right. And then you, at the same time, you want to be supportive and you don't want them to be the doormat, but you also don't want to add one more <laughs> stressful factor in their lives because you can see that they're pulled in a lot of directions and that they're, and they're probably operating from a place of guilt. And, and so that's where the Disneyland dad comes in a, a bit, I would imagine. It, it's, it's just, there's so many, many elements to consider. It's, yeah. <laughs> The facets of a blended family are are truly astonishing when you sit down and try to pull it apart. But what the one common thread from all the conversations we have with stepmothers is they don't want to feel like they're being taken advantage of. And too often they feel that way. And if you're having these open lines of communication with your partner and you have empathy for the situation that they're in and for the and empathy for the children because they're in a situation that they never asked to be in, that it does help the dynamics, but yet don't get pulled into that vortex where you do feel if you're you're being taken advantage of. And sometimes it's just as a stepmother, you need another stepmother to talk to mm-hmm. because you realize you're not alone and others do go through it as well. And that's when then we say hitting the wall is fine. Go be you. Yeah. Go spend your time with your girlfriends. Go do your hobbies. Exercise. Take a step back. And don't get sucked in 24-7. And I love that. And that's your final D is the do be true to yourself and have your, don't lose yourself in this role as overwhelming as it may feel. One of the things we did when we would, my oldest stepdaughter, uh, my only stepdaughter, but the oldest one is she was in college when we met. And so when we got married, she was her final year of college. And so when we would go visit her out East, Whenever we'd spend a weekend with her, I'd always make sure I'd say, hey, Dan, make sure that you and Audrey have some time, just you two, because I'm I'm new to the scene. And if I were a daughter, I'd still want some time where I could just relax and be myself with my dad. So if we were there for Friday to Sunday, Sunday brunch might be just for the two of them. And then I'd go and take a walk or read a book or do whatever the heck I wanted to do. But I felt that that was important to honor their relationship and not to be like you're saying, throwing myself in too much, even if I had good intentions. I knew that as a, I could imagine myself as a 21 year old young woman. And if this had happened in my family, I'd still want some of my daddy daughter time. 100%. Alone time goes both ways. Alone time for the stepchildren with their father, with their partner, your partner, and alone time for yourself. Because alone time for your stepchildren also goes for you. You spending time alone with your stepchildren or stepchild, is important. It's so important to get to know them as individuals and build that relationship and friendship, just the two of you. And by doing that, you get to know who they are. They get to know who you are. And giving them that alone time with their parent is healthy for you 
and your relationship with that stepchild because they see that you do cherish the stepchild's relationship with their parent. So the alone time works in so many different ways because you're showing your stepchild that you value how they feel, you value the relationship that your partner has with that stepchild, and you value who you are as a person by spending time with your friends, spending time alone, and just being true to yourself. Yeah, and that's a, a a bit of modeling that you can do as a stepmother trying to, and, and it depends, of course, on when you showed up in the family and and what the level of relationship is with your stepkids as it grows and develops and how much of an influence you'll be. I, I remember when I first got married, I thought, well, they were they were in high school and college. So I thought, well, they're kind of they're kind of fully formed. I was mistaken. There was a lot more parenting to do than I anticipated. So in my mind, I thought, I'll just be dad's wife and I will love their father and he'll be so happy that that will help them. And I I wasn't fooling myself that they would be so happy that I was in their life. I didn't play that game. I knew that this is, as we've said several times throughout the episode, no kid asks for this. So I didn't, I wasn't trying to say, oh, I'm here. Now everything's going to be great. But I thought, I'll just be a great wife to their father, which for any kid who's trying to launch and become a young adult, if the parents are happy, that makes their early stages of adulthood a lot easier if they don't have to worry about mom and dad. And so that's where I thought I would go. But I, like I said, I ended up doing more parenting than I thought. And it was interesting, again, as I read, you were saying, you're not, you're not the parent, you're not the parent. At the same time, I did feel pulled in to parent a bit more than I had anticipated. So it's just, like you said, there's just so many facets And it's just, it's very, very nuanced. And every journey is different, but a book like yours is such a great resource for for moms who, or for um, stepmoms rather, who are stepping into this now or uh, have been in it even for 10 years. They will find so much support. Now, one question I got, because I'm very active on Instagram, and so I was talking about this topic a little bit with uh, a friend who has a podcast, and I was on her show just last week. And so I got some questions, and I think I tagged you in some of them. But one of the questions I got was, what if you are a stepmom and there is just so much angst and and frustration with the bio mom. How do you manage that? If she seems to always be throwing zingers your way or talking you down to the kids, you know, because the kids are coming back to your house after their time with their mom and they all of a sudden hate you and you thought you had a really good relationship going. So when there's so much coming at your family from the, the bio mom, what are your recommendations for that? Always take the higher road. Because whatever the bio mom is saying, you don't really know the true context of why she's saying it. And she just might be lashing out using you as the lash out. And until you truly have even attempted to figure out what is going on, it's really not worth getting into it with your stepchildren. Taking the higher road only shows your stepchildren that this is not your game that you're going to get involved in. This bio child has their own walks that they're going through with their mother. 
And we say, you're not their mother for a reason. You might parent them along the way, but you don't have the history and you don't know the full story, just like walking into the movie quarter of the way through. What has transpired up until that point? And if they're coming to you saying, mom said this about you, mom said that about you, a nice response is, I would be happy to sit down with your mother and have a conversation with her and leave it at that. Or if they say, you're not my mother, the answer is, you're right. I am not your mother, but I care so deeply about you and I am here for you. So you don't really have to get involved in that vortex from the game of what allegedly bio mom is saying. And yes, there are absolutely horrific stories out there. I mean, we talk about it in the Stepmoms Club book, some of the things. But there is a great story in there where there is a stepmother, and she's not legally the stepmother yet because they have not gotten married, but she's involved with her partner. They've been together for years. She heard all the trash talk that bio mom has been saying to her stepsons, because they're sons, and she decided to hit it head on. She was at a soccer game. They happened to be at the snack stand at the exact same time. She's sitting there flapping her gums, and she walked right up to her and said, I hear you have some things to say about me. Let's get it all out on the table. We know those things are not true. I had nothing to do with your divorce. Everybody in the soccer field knows exactly why the two of you got divorced. So I would appreciate it if you have anything to say about me, say it to my face, or just keep your gums to yourself. (laughs) I loved that story. And if I remember correctly, the divorce had been over like 12 years ago. Oh, a long time ago. Yes. So sometimes just hitting it straight on is the best thing. But in that particular situation, when it was very public and she was in the environment where she was able to hear what her stepchildren's mom was saying, she took it upon herself just to slay that dragon right then and there. Yeah, and that takes a lot of guts and maturity, but wow, saved herself a lot of problems and angst in the future because she, like you said, she just took care of it right then and there, we're done. And from the story that you shared in the book, the, the bio mom shut her mouth. <laughs> she did. Stepped on, high-fived her. You know, her partner gave her a kiss on the cheek and off their merry way they went. Yeah. <laughs> and I know from my own personal experience, and I, I won't say that we had a lot of tension. There's been, I think, the normal amount of tension over the years. But I know that I there were two things that I told myself as I entered the situation and inhabited the situation and dealt with the situation. I remember telling myself that if I let any of the difficulty that I'm experiencing from my husband's ex, if I let that affect me or upset me, I'm giving away my power. We spoke to it earlier. I'm giving away power over my emotions, my life, my marriage, my happiness, my emotional state. And I just didn't want to do that. So it was very much a conscious choice to I'm taking the power back. I don't let 
I don't believe someone can make me angry. I choose to allow myself to get angry. I don't believe someone can make me upset. I choose to allow myself to get upset. So I took charge of that. And the second thing that I think is a really, really important thing to remember, when you start saying, well, she's this and she's that, remember, if she weren't so difficult they'd still be married. <laughs> and so when I when she would be difficult, I'd think, well, you know what? If she weren't difficult, I wouldn't have met the love of my life. Absolutely. And if she wasn't so difficult, you wouldn't see the true colors. So seeing what's in front of your eyes helps you to take back that power and put your emotions in check. So taking back that power we say is that hitting the wall moment where you feel invigorated to not let somebody else control your emotions and control your reactions. And being the best you that you can be by not letting somebody pull at you is so helpful. Mm -hmm. And once you digest what has occurred and how you've taken it back by hitting the wall, it is truly that liberating feeling. Yeah, it really is. And you just, you begin to own your experience and you make it what you want it to be for you. And like you said, you let go of what you can't control and is stressing you out and you own the beauty of it because there are really unexpected blessings. And that's the thing that I think I didn't expect Uh, Like I said, I I entered the situation because I fell madly in love with the greatest guy on the planet, and I found the one. And as I stepped into it, I assumed I would just be his wife, like I said. But over the last seven years, I have absolutely fallen in love with my stepkids too. And that's something that I didn't say early. I didn't say I love you before I meant it. But about year five, like I mentioned before, I felt, as, as I was saying goodbye to one of them, I felt, oh my gosh, I love you. And if this were my niece... Yeah. If this were a family member, a niece or nephew, I'd absolutely say it. So I'm going to say it. And, but it came from a genuine place. So the beauty of it, I guess the silver lining to this whole topic is that there are unexpected blessings and connections. And there is this new family that can, after that period of, of the learning curve and, and we get, we start working out the kinks, but afterwards there really are these beautiful bonds that are formed. And that is a, a lovely thing. And it's a blended, blessed family. I mean, you are a family and you're going to have these moments that are incredible, that you feel it so much in your heart and you're wrapping your arms around these children. And it is so important to remember that you are molding who they are. You might not be their biological parent, but you're in the role of their parent and they look up to you eventually. It might not happen immediately, but over time, they do view you as a parent. And it is an incredible feeling when you have those small moments, just like you talked about, where all of a sudden you're like, she's leaving and I do love her and I want to say it. And that exchange stays with you for the rest of your life. 
That is so true. And that's just a beautiful place to wrap up our conversation. Kendall, I thank you so much for your time and your wisdom and sharing your heart and your expertise as one who has been there and done that. And I'll reiterate the title of your book is The Stepmoms Club, How to Be a Stepmom Without Losing Your Money, Your Mind, and Your Marriage. Can you let listeners know where to find you on social media or a website so that they can connect with you if they have any questions? On Instagram, it is The Stepmoms Club. On Facebook, it's the Stepmoms Club. Also, www.thestepmomsclub as well. There's a website. And Kendall Rose 513 on Instagram and Facebook. Thanks again for joining me today. Thank you so much. The love and life hack for this week is join the club. No, really, if you do join the club and you become a stepmom as well, be sure you avail yourself of all the resources that are out there. Because as we said at the top of the show, many step families feel they are not supported. So find that club of fellow stepmoms, those women who totally get what you're going through, and read books like The Stepmoms Club and other resources that can help you be a stepmom without losing your money, your mind or your marriage. Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Thank you for joining me today. And a big thanks to those of you I see on Insta sharing episodes with your friends. That lets me know that we're providing you with meaningful content. And that is the entire point of love and life for sure. Thanks also for subscribing to the podcast and rating and reviewing episodes. That helps others find us so they can join the Love and Life fam. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Averill, and until next time, make it a great week. Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson Averill.